Turning your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And catch you up to speed. Last week we paused and we went into greater impact. So i got to bring you back to greater worship. We'll be switching gears on this. Greater things come as a result of greater relationship, the best relationship that you have, not with others, but with your God. You must start with your relationship with God. That's what we're starting on worship. We've been talking and preaching and teaching on worship. And I explained the other week that we all worship something. Every person, it's either a game, it's a team, it's, it's an idea, it's money, it's a job. You go overseas, you're going to find people worshiping idols and rocks and cows and all sorts of things in nature. But it's in all of us. I explained to you how you can go to a remote island where nobody has ever had any contact with anybody else. And you're going to find these natives that are bowing down and worshiping a God that they made with their hands. Because we were made in the image of God. All things were made for him. All things were made by him for the purpose to worship the one and true living God. When they don't have a knowledge of God, they seek in this world to fulfill that. And they're trying to hold on to something. And people chase all these dreams of satisfaction. And they come up empty because nothing in this world will satisfy like Jesus satisfies. And it comes to us as well. This woman that we talked about over the last number of weeks, she walked into Jesus. She was a prostitute. She was... Broken. The Bible says she stood behind, behind Jesus. And it was, it was an illustration of worship. You can come in here, arms lifted high, singing at the top of your lungs. But I'll tell you, if things aren't right in here, this means nothing. Nothing. It's not the action of lifting your hands. It's not the action of speaking words. It's not the action of carrying a Bible. It's the change of your heart that God desires. This woman came in and she might have been a prostitute in her past and she might have been a horrible reputation. But she walked in, she was broken, she fell at the feet of her God. And the Bible says she was so overwhelmed that she began to weep and she fell and she humbled herself. She repented. She was broken. She poured out her love. She kissed the feet, the dirty feet of Jesus She couldn't hold it back. She wanted him to know that I love you. All of those things were a reflection of what was in her heart. Because let me tell you, your actions, your praise is a reflection of what's in your heart. You can stand up, our God is awesome. And just, and and you're thinking, oh, God's like, oh, how precious. God's saying, how empty, how vain, how repetitious. Uh, You're going through the motions. There's no heart. There's no love. There's no passion. There's no brokenness. It's empty. She was broken and she displayed this love for God. And then she did something. She, She didn't make it about her. The Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory. And she took down her hair, which was the part of her beauty. And she began to wash his feet. Now, Let me tell you, true worship is when... I must decrease and he must increase. 
There's something wrong when if we have a microphone or a position on a stage or wherever you're at, and you're trying to get all the attention on you. And thank God we, we have a bunch of people that serve on this stage, and I know their hearts. They love it. But if your heart is to get the attention on you, you need to step aside. We must decrease. He must increase. Everything that we're doing back here is to lift up Jesus. You should be honored and say, hey, what were you asked to do or asked to do during the play? And say, man, I got the job. I get to open the door and let people in. Man, praise God. Because it's, it's, it's not about the position that you hold, but the God that we serve. She fell down. She emptied the ointments. Every bit of it on the feet of Jesus. Now it's it's kind of cool how the other example that we have of worship comes from John chapter 4. And we have preached and taught this from so many different perspectives because it's such a powerful passage. But I've never preached this from the perspective of worship. Jesus said in John 4, 4, and I'll go through the beginning of the story just kind of quickly to get you guys caught up what's going on. John 4, 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus said, I, I need to go. Guys, it's out of the way. I know it's a, it's a group of people that you guys are not excited about. They were outcasts. People from the other side of the tracks, if you would. But Jesus said, I need to go there. Now, verse 6, And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and he was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Jesus goes out of his way. He encounters this woman. She's an outcast. She's there in the middle of the day, 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Women would normally go first thing in the morning to get their water. <clears throat> and you see why she'd been married five times. Now, just so you guys know, in our culture, that's pretty extreme. But in their culture, that, that was really extreme. And the fact that she'd been married five times means that she was not a popular girl. It's, it's a matter of the other women, probably. She didn't want to go and hear the Snickers and all that stuff. And you guys have heard a, a lot of different stories and illustrations of this in the past. But we know that she was there alone. I love how when God is seeking out a worshiper, he's not looking for the spit and polished ones that we often think of. Verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto me, give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus was there on purpose. Jesus loves those that no one else cares about. Jesus loves those that have messed up their life. Guys, nobody gets divorced five times because they like divorce. And, and in that time, if you want to take it, make this real, in that time, the male, the men were the ones that issued the bill of divorce, not the women. It's not like she went after four men and said, I'm done with you, or five men, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. No, five men said to her, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. You think she had some identity issues and some self-esteem issues when she was rejected five times in a row? Comes out and Jesus turns this into what he came there for, which was her heart. The motive of worship starts being showed in these next verses. And Jesus said unto her in verse 16, Go, call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I, I have no husband. 
Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husbands, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that did uh, saidest thou, truly. She was rejected, sent away all those times. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I, I perceive that thou art a prophet. It, it, she changes the story really fast. Watch what happens here. And she says, Wait a minute. Okay, there's something going on here. In order for you to know that, you must be a prophet. And, 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 and she switches the story. Now listen how she changes it. She gets right off the thing about, hey, the guy that you're with, now you're shacked up with. And she's like, yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so she brings up this religious debate and what people will do. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say, talking about the Jews, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She turns and says, well, if you're a prophet, I've got this question that our people debate all the time. Now, the Jews over here that we're an outcast from say that their temple is the only place to worship God. Now, we have our own temple, and and our people say that we can worship God just as well here. You tell me as a prophet who's right and who's wrong. You know what she starts doing? And God says, oh, man, here we go. You're going to try to tell me that a place is a place of worship rather than understanding that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus saith unto the woman, Believe me, the hour cometh with neither, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye shall worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The Samaritans were messed up. They, they incorporated idol worship with God's worship. Let me tell you guys, and I know you know this already. There is only one God and one way into heaven. Amen. You say, man, amen to that. But the Bible also says, don't add to it. Even for us as believers, you talk about wanting to be happy. You're never going to be happy when you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Right. Right. Or one foot in the righteousness and one foot in unrighteousness. You're never going to be happy that way. You sit there and try to live it up with your friends on Friday and Saturday night of living and going to bars and doing all the junk that the world has. And you go on Sunday and say, I'm going to preach and worship my God and and, and exalt him. And God said, you can't serve two masters. Samaritans had it all messed up. And he said, the God of the Jews is the only God that you can follow. And that's the part that they had right. But the hour has come, verse 23, and now is. When true worshipers, listen to this, true worshipers, those that have it right shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. True worshipers. Those that worship, not just in form. Those that worship, not just in a place. Our worship can become so mechanical, become so routine. I'd love to go back and do a quiz with you guys and just ask you this. And don't answer out loud, but what songs did we sing today? What did we start with? What words touched your heart? You think back about it. We can become so mechanical of what we do. I was with our Wednesday night class the other day, and I was talking to them about prayer. And I say, guys, I'm trying to get out of the mode of doing certain things that we've gotten into routine or religious doing where we say, hey, hey, before we get into this, let's pray really fast. You know, you know what it is? It's just, let's get this, this Christian thing out of the way. Let, let's get through this. 
Guys, our relationship with God is not something we do really fast. If we need to do it really fast, we need to slow down because we're too busy. And we, we get into that mode of even stand and let's sing together. And, and if nothing is going on in your heart, we say, let's stand and worship our God. It's all going to be empty. If God's not first working in your heart, I'm getting ahead of myself. We gather in this place, we read, we sing, we say amen, we sit, we stand, we go through the motions, we hear the choir, we take up offerings, we shake hands, we do all those things. And guys, can I tell you that we can do all of those things and it can all be empty if there's nothing personally going on between you and God. He said, true worshipers don't worship me out of a place, a thing, or an action. They worship me because something's going on in their life. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. True worshipers. Verse 23 says, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father desires that type of worship. This is why Jesus came to this woman that day. It blows me away that Jesus went out of His way to pick out a worshiper of the one that nobody else wanted. He said, if you knew my past and my life and everything, you'd know that God doesn't invite me into his presence. Oh, God is seeking you because he wants you in his presence. So what's missing? God is a spirit. Not an object, not a rock, not a tree, not a place, not a day of the week, not a religion, and not a tradition. In 1995, I went to Pensacola Christian College. I promise you I'm not getting off. But if you guys, if you've heard this story before, just let me share my heart. 1995, I went to Pensacola Christian College. I was there and attending. And, and uh, while I was there, I met a girl. We dated for a couple weeks. Didn't work out. I got frustrated. Went back to the dorm room. I was with my friends. And I said, guys... I'm, I'm sick of these girls. I'm sick to trying to impress girls. I just want to have fun. Now, remember, our type of fun was a little different than most college fun. I was in Bible college and all that. So we just let down our hair. We went wild and crazy. We went to Burger King, and uh, it was a wild night. <laughs> Value cup in this hand, 99-cent burger in there. Oh, man, it was crazy. And uh, so... So I'm there, and, and the guy said, hey, let's go to the game tonight. There was a soccer game. And so we, we all got these Burger King cats that they gave away for free because we couldn't afford to purchase anything. So don't judge me. I was, I was 18, 19 years old, having a great time. I mean, so, so we went to the soccer game. And while we were at the soccer game, we put on the Burger King hats. We were cheering for both teams. We didn't care. We just wanted to be stupid. I didn't care about impressing a girl. I didn't, I didn't care. We were just having a great time. And uh, we, we looked like a bunch of idiots. And there was a group of girls sitting down in the bleachers before us that kept turning around. And they were saying like, uh, they were flirting with us. Saying things like, what a bunch of idiots. And uh, that guy's a moron. And uh, hey, when you don't have a girlfriend, you'll take whatever compliment you can get. All I knew is these girls were noticing me, and I mean, it might have been because of a Burger King hat and acting like an idiot, but hey, I got attention from a girl. So, so we, um, we get done with the game, and we're leaving, and this girl, these girls kept mocking us and making fun of us the whole time that we were there. 
And on her way out, we're crowded in this big crowd, and this girl that was standing in front of me, and she kept saying, uh, telling this other group of girls, says, there was this group of idiots that was standing up there and doing all these things. And I was like, man, did you guys see any idiots that were here? And then Bubba, my friend, said, we're the idiots. And I'm like, I spoke up and I said, are you making fun of us? And they turned around and they were like, oh, uh, well, you were an idiot. Well, you were idiots. And uh, that's how I met my wife. So uh, <laughs> romantic story. So we went back to the common area. And while we were there, um, I began to watch this girl. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. We were... We were playing games and we were doing all this stuff. And the next day I told the guys, um, we invited them to meet us uh, back up with us the next day. And I said, there was a girl, the one long blonde haired girl. I said, she was really cute. I said, I think I'm going to ask her out tomorrow. I mean, I'm thinking this is, this was a day after saying I'm done with girls. You you guys know how it is. So, (laughs) so the next day I I asked her out and she, she, she laughed and uh, because she just told her friends, what if one of them asks us out? They won't ask us out. We called them idiots, but I did anyways. I was an idiot. <laughs> so we went out the first time, and, and let, let, me, let me tell you what happened. I, I found a girl that was so humble that she, she wasn't arrogant, and that was really refreshing for me. And that night, I got what we called PH. It was on-campus male, and she was... She was, she was kind. She was asking me about my family and, and asking me how I was doing. And it was, it was really cool dynamic because it was for the first time I felt like I was emotionally connecting to somebody. She was caring. I was uh, telling her that I'm struggling with English. Here I am 20 years later, still stutter, struggling with English. That's why I don't get up here with a whiteboard, because you guys are really like, that's not how you spell that. That's not how you read that. She was caring. She was compassionate. I'm going to abbreviate. <laughs> not because I can spell it. It's... She said, why don't you bring your English homework with you tonight? We sit in there, and she tutored, and you know, and I mean, I was soaking it up. I was struggling in this class. She was very smart in that, and and I found out about my future wife that she was extremely smart. Through through the course of that, we went back and forth of getting to know each other. I found out about her family. She grew up in a Christian home, a lot like I did. And I tell you, there were some characteristics about her that I fell in love with. We were doing school and things like that, and she had an opportunity to say yes on a quiz or whatever. She went it, and she said, I was taught better. I was taught to be honest. I was there a couple of times when she was on the phone with her mom, and I even got on the phone and got to know her mom and stuff like that. And I love you, Mom. I, how's Dad doing? And she was respectful. You might not know my wife like I know my wife. But I tell you, eventually, after time, all of those things began to affect me. They began to change me. I could trust her. But it goes beyond that. Those characteristics about my wife made me fall in love with her. Let me tell you something about my wife that most of you already knows. 
she smiled all the time. Some people have come up to me and say, oh, I know how she has to put on that face or whatever because she's a pastor's wife, and I'm not saying that my wife is perfect. None of us are perfect. And sometimes my wife gets held to a level that she can't accomplish or she, she never will level lead up to because she's in the eyes and minds of people because she's a pastor's wife, but she's a mom that's getting three kids ready for church and running out the door, and she's, she's just a, a human like all the rest of us. But I tell you what thing that she does and she brings to my life is joy. She's, we would go and the times that we would look back and saying when we fell in love it's simply because we had great times and we would laugh about life and I could be who I was and she accepted me for all of those things. We ate together, we studied together, we went to church together, we, we grew. We, the, the next semester we tried to get all of our classes lined up which was good and bad because I realized how much smarter she was than me and I was struggling and she was not. And um, what happened was something, something happened in my life. When we weren't together and I was at work, I missed her. It, it, it's, it affects you. These things begin to affect me. It, was, it began to, to take over me where I was at work and I'd be... Tony, and they'd be, oh, oh, you know, was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about my wife all the time, or my girlfriend, wanted her to be my fiance. I, I'd planned it out of what I was going to do, and, and I, she's not here today, she's homesick, so I think the Lord worked this out because I, I would have embarrassed her a lot saying a lot of things that I'm saying right now. But I thought about her all the time. I started thinking about I wanted to marry her and what I would need to do to convince her dad to let me marry her. Because I loved her. I did. I, I tell you, people, people can say that they love somebody. And young people, lust is not love. You, you, can, you can have physical desires towards a person, but that does not mean that you are in love with them. You might be in lust with them, but you're not in love with them. Love is patient, and love is kind, and love is giving. When love talks about you feeding my flesh and you appeasing me, it's not love. It's selfish. God's love is not selfish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You want to know when you're falling in love with a woman with all of your heart? It's when you start figuring out what you need to do to sacrifice of yourself for the sake of her, not you. If you're not there, you need to grow up, big boy, and wait till you're ready. It means getting a job, being faithful to a job, working a job, and taking care of her. Thank you, Nichelle. I'm going to tell you something else that started happening in my life. I began to be separated. I should write in cursive like a, That's why doctors do that. They, I began in my life to where other girls that I normally would wait outside of a class and walk them to class or girls that I, groups that I would sit at, I would deliberately, if I went up to a table and there was a group of girls sitting at that table, you know what I would do? I would deliberately sit at the chair that was not sitting next to those girls because I wanted her to know that all of this and my heart was for her and not trying to fish for somebody else. I was devoted. I was dedicated. I was 
I was excited in my heart. I was stirred. I was, I, I went, I was on, in the dorm room one day and my mom called and we're talking. And I told her, and I've told many of you guys this story, I said, Mom, today I met the girl, I know the girl that I'm going to marry and she's going to be my wife. She said, Tony, you don't know that. I said, I do know that, Mom. At one point in our relationship, we broke up for like two, three weeks. And I tell you guys, what I did is I went to my dorm room one night, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I quit eating, I was fasting, and I was praying, and I went by my bed, and I said, God, she's the girl I'm going to marry. I cannot live without her. I, God, I beg you to give her back. She, she started, she, she met this guy, he was, his name was Dave, not my brother Dave, another Dave. <laughs> my wife has standards, okay? <laughs> and uh, anyways, it was short, and I won her back, and we, we, we were in love. And he said, what, what, what is all of this? I desired to be with her forever. She was kind, compassionate, honest, respectful, and smart, and joyful, and she smiled, and she was caring. You could come up, and somebody could say, Tony, she's not the girl for you, and you don't know her, and, and, and I think she's stuck up and all this, and I'd be like, whoa, stop right there. Let me tell you the truth. The Bible says that they that worship him was worship him in truth. But the Bible doesn't just say truth. The Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Do you guys realize that the truth about her affected my spirit? Now that is lowercase s-p-i-r-i-t. That is correct. Um, Is the inner man. It's the heart. This is why the Bible says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Name one of those that is external. And another passage, it says, and with all thy might, which means that the internal becomes external, meaning that the passion and desire that you have gets lived out in your life as you're serving, you're loving, you're giving, you do, and you dedicate in all those things. Your knowledge of your spouse, of getting to know them, of the truth of who they are, will affect your spirit, which affects who you are on the inside. Let's go over here. This woman went there and she was rejected. Jesus made her accepted. She found out that she was loved. She found out later that she was forgiven. This is the truth that I read over and over and over and over again in my Bible. Let me, let me connect the dots with some of these things. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, the thing is, all these things that the devil has out in this world, they're lies, they're lies, they're lies. They're, they're not the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God came to give us life. He came to, to be accepted and to love and forgiven. Here's something else. He came to set us free. 
she found out on that day that he was the rock that doesn't change. She found out on that day that I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. She found out that Jesus was satisfaction. You guys say, everything that I'm telling you right now, every bit of it, and I could go on and on and on and tell you that my God is joy. My God is peace. This is the truth about my God. He shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. You guys know why we come here today and the Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Because the more that you know about the truth, the more that you know about the God that I serve, the more that you fall in love and realize that you are accepted, that you will be forgiven, that you will be loved, that God will set you free, that all of these things is only what God can give you. I tell you the truth, everything that I'm saying. Do you know what happens when you learn everything that I'm telling you right now? See, I love him because he first loved me. This is my spirit. I desire him. You don't have to make me want to come to church. And I'm not saying that to brag, and I'm not just saying that, well, you get paid, dude. I'm here and I have the job to begin with because I love this place and I love God's people and I love the work of God and I, 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 the more I know him, the more I want to be with him. It's, it's not a twisting on my arm. The more I got to know her, the more that I wanted to be with her and I didn't want it just on the weekend. I wanted it every day of my life. I began to separate myself from the things that were not right the things that hurt our relationship, I wanted out. I become faithful to him. Let me put it like this. What you know here will affect you here. You talk about giving. And you start doing up your, 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 your bills and all, oh, they're, they're taking up a love offering for that Easter drama to save people from out. I'll tell you what, if it's not here, it will never be here. And if it's not here, whatever you do on the outside, it's vain, it's void. It's just going through the motions because it's not in spirit and truth. All of these things you realize are internal. Do you, do you realize that things, that the peace and the love and the rock and the satisfaction is everything that I know about my God? And all of a sudden, there is a change of love and a separation and desire and faith. Have you ever thought of this? There's a verse in the Bible that talks about singing to God. And I know there's lots of controversy about what to sing and how to sing and all those other things. Colossians 3.16, let, let, me, let me unveil something to you about true worship. And we, when we think of worship most of the time, we think about singing. Let me give you two verses in the Bible that talk about singing and praising God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You know what that is? This is that. It's truth. It's in our hearts, in our minds, that we're forgiven, we're free, we're, 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 we're satisfied, we have peace and joy, and I'm sitting in the rock. That's the truth. Admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your what? Your heart. What? In your heart. 
well, wait a minute. I thought praising was, hey, man, God is awesome and I love God. And God said it is. But not if it doesn't go from truth to spirit to your lips. It's empty. You see, the more I know about God, the more I'm changed. You, you talk about this being the things of the Spirit and in my heart that I, I love God and I'm dedicated and I want to know Him and I want to be closer to Him and, 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 and I, I want to be excited and I, I think about God. And the Bible says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. You want to talk about worship? What's on your mind this week? So when you start thinking about all these things, and I'm not saying that you... This, this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you walk around in life all the time like, hey, Jack, hey, you know, we're not supposed to be mechanical robots of the Pharisees trying to impress everybody. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you don't feed your brain in the morning and you don't feed your brain at night and all you do have is Game of Thrones and whatever garbage is on TV that you, what, what do you think you're going to be thinking about? And all of a sudden your affections go towards that. Guys, do you realize that half the shows and the things that they do on TV and HBO and everything, and they say, well, there's only one sex scene in it. There's only one nudity scene in it. That's all Satan needs is one. Because all he does is he throws out that hook and says, oh, you got him. All right. What are you going to be thinking about all tomorrow? Sit. I know I, I'm going to run out of time. And honestly... I, I had to go to my office this morning and, and like move things around of what I was doing because I, I got this. Guys, do you realize that the word of God and the preaching and everything that we do is so God wants us to get it? You talk about worshiping God and, and, and loving him and wanting to be closer to him. Unless you get in the word, thy word is truth. From beginning to end, that's why we're here today. We are worshiping and say, how am I worshiping? And we're worshiping in truth. We stand to sing about truth, the fact that you've been set free and you got the joy of the Lord and all of these things are in your life. And then it affects your spirit, your love, your joy, your satisfaction, your desires, everything, head and heart. Personal worship will always be turned into public praise. Okay? So what happens is, and you get the, the perfect evidence of this, I told you the truth about my wife, what I fell in love, what I know in my mind, what I think about, what I love about her, what I know about her, what I've experienced about her, her kindness, her compassion, her honesty, her respect, her love, her joy, her smile, and it changed me. Can I tell you, if you've not been changed, then you... If you've not been changed, then you don't know the truth. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you the truth. For a lot of people that go through the motions and all of a sudden there's nothing in their life, I'm saying it can't help you because you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all those things. This will change you. This will change the inside of you. This will change your mind. This will change your heart. This will change your desires. This changes everything about you. Completely trans by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is good and acceptable unto God. Let me show you John chapter 4 again. After this personal encounter 
In John 4, 28, the woman then left her water part. He said, she's giving that water. I am the Messiah. I am he that thou seekest to worship. And, and, and she says, give me this water that I may never thirst again. And of course, Jesus was talking about salvation and forgiveness and freedom and truth and joy and peace. That's what he was talking about. He said, what was her response? Oh, here it is. And the woman left her water pots and went away into the city, saying unto the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Your personal worship of spirit and truth will always come out in public praise. Do you get that? When God is on your mind, and the word of God is on your mind, and you know that he is the peace that passes on understanding, he is the rock that never moves, he is the forgiveness that goes beyond any sin, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. He is all of those things, and it changes you, and affects you, and it stirs you, and it motivates you, and the desire gets in there. All of a sudden, you think that you're going to keep your lips shut? No way! That's why when we say, let's stand and sing, and we say, how great is our God? When that is in your life, you can't help but say, how great is my God? My God is truth and my God has saved me. My God has changed me. My God has done all of those things in me. Worship is not an experience. Worship is not stand and sing. Worship is not grab a book or look at the screen. Worship is God changing you from the inside out. I want to close with one last thought. This is for those that are sitting there going, wow, I, I don't have this. Can you look back one chapter? John chapter 3, verse 5, when Jesus came to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, in John 3, 5, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Let me tell you, You are a sinner. That woman came there that day and she was lost. Now she tried to roll it in and say, hey, can I talk about where we worship and we worship there? And Jesus said, stop it. Let's talk about you. Jesus confronted her sin and said, hey, you know about the five times, uh, the the, the shack up job? Let's talk about that for a minute. See, Jesus wasn't sweeping sin under the carpet. He can't. He came to die for those sins. Jesus came to let her know that she could be free and forgiven. Jesus went there to let her know that she's been rejected, but she can have joy through Jesus Christ. See, in John chapter 3, when he went up to him and he said, the thing is that you need in your life is you must be born again. You are dead in your trespasses and sin. The reason why there is no life in you is because only Jesus and the knowledge of the truth can give you life. But once you hear the truth like Nicodemus did, You must be born again. You are dead without life until you meet the Savior who gives you life. That's what happens when you're born. God gives you life. He brings you into the world and gives you a second chance. So I asked you, are you one of those people going through the motions? Have you ever experienced the life that Jesus Christ gives? I'm not even just talking about worship i'm I'm talking about salvation do you know the truth because the truth is the only thing that will set you free